Welcome, welcome. Thank you for listening today to Third and Manageable. I am Brad Roberts. Sitting next to me is Shem Hanks. We are your uh, lovely hosts. And if you'll stick around, we have pick-for-pick selections of our predictions coming up for the 2019 NFL Draft. So uh, don't go anywhere. Hello there, and welcome everyone to another episode of Third and Manageable Podcast. My name is Shem Hanks. I'm Brad Roberts. And we are your hosts for this evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Probably using the bathroom. That's when I listen to all the best podcasts. You know, showering, taking the morning BM, usual. (laughs) So anyway, we are two guys currently drinking, talking about football. So what could possibly go wrong? Today we are going to be doing a pick-by-pick analysis of the 2019 NFL Draft. That is a mock draft, as the NFL Draft hasn't happened yet. Yes, it is. And uh, why don't you tell me when that uh, draft is coming up? It is the 25th. We will be watching on Thursday evening. But if you are listening to this, you do not have to watch the NFL Draft because my mock will be pick-for-pick correct. You know, and I was just about to say that they didn't have to watch because my prediction was going to be pick for pick. So uh, there's going to be some uh, problems here between uh, whether yours is right or whether I'm right. So uh, do we just kick this off automatically or uh, h- how are we playing this? Oh, well, let's just get started. 32 picks. It's a lot of picks to go through in 50 something minutes. So let's jump right in. The Arizona Cardinals are on the clock and they select. Well, I have no faith in Cliff Kingsbury as a coach to make the right decision. So, with the number one pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. Kyler of House Murray from Oklahoma. I agree with you. Cliff Kingsbury is going to make the wrong selection in that the right selection is to keep Josh Rosen and draft Nick Bosa. However... He will draft Kyler Murray instead and trade Josh Rosen somewhere. See, and and right there, by what you just said, that's the wrong decision to make. And let me break this down for you. Josh Rosen may or may not be the quarterback that you want him to be. He may or may not be the franchise guy. But I can guarantee you this. No one is certain about him. Jared Goff was the number one pick in the, what, 2015 draft, if I'm not mistaken. And his first year, he was horrible. He posted some of the worst numbers as a rookie quarterback that have been recorded in the, what, seven-game span that he was playing. And everybody said he was a bust. Well, it turns out that that was nonsense, and he really just needed the right coach to whisper in his ear. And now he has... Uh, he was in the Pro Bowl last year, if I'm not mistaken, or at least as an alternate. And his team has won the division back-to-back times. And last year, they went all the way to the Super Bowl. So you do not know whether Josh Rosen is the right guy. But that's not even the key point here. They drafted Josh Rosen in the top 15 of last year's draft. There is no team out there that will give up a draft pick that is to compensate you for what you've already spent on Josh Rosen. So guaranteed, 
by making this decision on Kyler Murray, maybe he's even the right guy. Maybe he's a lot better than Josh Rosen. Facts are facts. You will not get that draft capital back, and that's why this is the wrong decision. And I expect that they will get a second rounder from someone for Josh Rosen, and that someone is the Washington semi-professional football team. <laughs> yeah, they they may be a double-A squad at best, but you, and you may be right on that. I think it's either going to be Washington or Miami, um, but I think that those are the two main markets that are going to be looking at Josh Rosen. It is well, entirely possible that the Broncos would consider him, but if they're going to get a young guy, I assume that they will draft him and have him sit behind Mr. Joe Flacco, the statue himself. Yeah, I mean, why spend a second rounder on Josh Rosen when you could get someone like a Daniel Jones from Duke in the third round this year? Or even wait until next year to get your guy that you really want. Um, so... Uh, so uh, that gets the first pick out of the way. And next we have the San Francisco 49ers on the clock, which uh, what do you have for them? What are they picking? Well, San Francisco is by far the happiest team in the NFL that Cliff Kingsbury is making a foolish decision because the best player in this draft, Nick Bosa, is going to be a San Francisco 49er. Now, when you say the best player in this draft, are you also taking into account that this guy has some serious injury concerns going into the draft? Do you think he conquers those injury woes? And uh, are, are you convinced that San Francisco is making the right decision in Nick Bosa? Could they, could they not get someone with less injury uh, history that's just as good of a player? They would absolutely be making the right decision in Nick Bosa. I am not concerned about his injury history. This guy looks like a generational talent. He looks like he'll be a pro bowler, an all-pro guy. And I firmly believe that in drafts like this, you have to pick the best player on the board if you're number one overall. And, well, Arizona's not. And so San Francisco gets to benefit by selecting Nick Bosa. Now... A lot of draft analysts use their grades. They do this grading system, and it really is more graded based off of other players in previous drafts, and it's a way to compare players from previous drafts, and I actually think it's a really bad way of grading. I think that you should uh, do a grade, let's say it's out of 100, but for that individual draft where you think the best player should have that 100 grade, and then it go down uh, from there. And I would say that Nick Bosa is the best player. He would have the highest grade with Keenan Williams pretty close behind him. Hmm. Well, uh, that gets San Francisco out of the way. We're two picks in. Now comes number three overall with the New York Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yes, yes, yes. And I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, some... Uh, what, what do you call it? Deja vu with this pick? Number three, I have the New York Jets taking Quinn and Williams. Mm. It's going to be a reminiscent pick of uh, several years ago when they selected Leonard Williams, another massive defensive lineman talent, who at times has lived up to expectations, at times has not. But 
if I'm not mistaken, he is coming towards the end of his rookie contract, looking to uh, get either re-signed with his current team or is going to be testing free agency. I think Quinn and Williams, by being selected here, gives the Jets a lot of leverage come negotiating time as to whether Leonard Williams is going to be on this team or not. And if not, then at the very least, you have this guy pairing up with Leonard Williams for the next couple of years. So uh, I I think that's where they're going to go at number three. Now, I like that pick way more than what I have the Jets doing because I think the Jets should draft Keenan Williams. I don't think that they will draft Keenan Williams. I think that they will draft Josh Allen out of Kentucky, a guy. So the Jets are switching to a true 3-4. They don't really have a 3-4 outside pass rusher, and that's a need that Josh Allen fills. However, going back to what I was saying in the second pick is that you have to draft talent. If you're a team that's having a top five pick, you have a dearth of talent. You have to try and get as much talent as possible. I prefer them drafting Keenan Williams because, well, in that 3-4, I don't think that he's a conventional nose tackle in a base 3-4, but I do think he's a guy that you could put as a defensive end in a 3-4 and wreck havoc and then once you switch to your nickel set and you have four down linemen you can move keenan williams back inside it's very similar to what jacksonville does with cleus campbell where they're just moving him inside and outside all the time and i really see keenan williams as being that guy i wish that the jets would take keenan williams however they will take josh allen well it's uh i think these next three picks could could very easily get just rotated in and around. So you have Josh Allen going at the New York Jets. I have uh, Quinn and Williams going at number three. Number four is Oakland. And as I said, I think these next three names are going to be pushed out very quickly together. Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, and Quinn and Williams. So Oakland is at number four. Who do you have them taking? I have them taking... uh, Williams. Quinn Williams. Yeah, so I have Williams. Once again, Oakland being the happy team. It's a happy time in the Bay in this draft where the Niners are stoked that they get Nick Bosa and Oakland is going to be super stoked that they get a player as talented as, uh, did you say Quinnen? Quinnen? Keenan? Maybe Keenan. It might be Quinnen. Quinnen? I've I've heard it both ways. I'm, I'm not actually sure. Yeah, well. How it goes. Last name Williams. Q Williams. Q Williams. Defensive lineman from Ohio State. Or not Ohio State. Alabama. Yeah. So at number four, I have Montez Sweat going to the Raiders. I think he had an exceptional scouting combine. Um, exceptional pro day. He's been moving up on a lot of boards. And he's huge. He's 6'6 he, as he's a defensive end. He's absolutely massive. massive. If this was 10 years ago and Al Davis was making this pick, I would say Montez Sweat goes 100% to Oakland. This is exactly the kind of pick that they would go for. I'm not sure what Mike Mayock and John Gruden and, and Mark Davis now are, are thinking in their draft room, but Montez Sweat seems like an Oakland Raider, and he's somebody that could help them in a 4-3 situation uh it, it, he's he he is a mammoth human being and i think he's going to be moving people around for a number of years 
And I would think that if the Jets did pass Quinnen Keenan Williams, that they would select Josh Allen out of Kentucky, where they would try and get their Khalil Mack replacement. Mm. But either way, hey, Montez Sweat, massive dude. Uh, he's most likely going to be a stud. So yeah. moving on, number five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, like I said, these last three names are going to be uh, uh, just thrown out there. I have Josh Allen going to Tampa Bay, but as we've said, uh, Quinnen Williams could go to Tampa Bay. Montez Sweat could go to the New York Jets. I mean, who knows? Nick Bosa may even fall. There's some injury concerns there. I think he is the best player on the board, as you said. But really, between San Francisco, New York, Oakland, and Tampa Bay, all four of these teams are basically selecting the exact same kind of player. They're looking for either a 4-3 pass rusher or a 3-4 pass rusher. But it has to be somebody off of the edge. Quinn Williams can help you in both scenarios. He's more of a down lineman. But honestly, all of these teams need defensive line and pass rushing help. So it, it's this is going to be a very interesting draft as to where these players go. And at 5... For Tampa Bay, I have Devin White. Devin White. Yeah. So Tampa Bay goes out and gets their Quan Alexander replacement, gets their middle linebacker, Devin White, who looks like a young Ray Lewis, a guy who could be that 15-year veteran who makes a Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the first five picks off the board. And uh, coming up at number six, I think we have another offensive player. What do you think here, Shem? Do Uh, the New York Giants select them a quarterback to go after Eli Manning? Or are they going in a different direction now that they have two first-round picks? The New York football Giants select Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins, that is the, the the very same pick that I have going at number six. So I think we're in agreement here. Which um, I will say, too, I actually do think Dwayne Haskins is the best quarterback in this draft. And that adds to the general foolishness of the Arizona Cardinals selecting Kyler Murray as number one. Well, I mean, he Kyler Murray is the flavor of the month right now. Everybody is on this Patrick Mahomes train, and it by all – by the eye test, it does look like Kyler Murray is that next guy, but I, I don't know if lightning really does strike in the same place twice. So I'm not as convinced that Kyler Murray is the guy. I would agree with you that Dwayne Haskins is the best player on the board. And for a very specific reason, uh, a few days ago, there was a, uh, an interview happened with uh, the NFL Network and Sean Springs. And if you have a chance, go look up that article. Uh, there's some very interesting stories about Dwayne Haskins' upbringing that is very much a character-building uh, situation. Uh, it, it, it really spoke to me on that to make me think that this guy is very capable as a leader of men and uh, just a responsible human being. He's been through a lot, and uh, uh, if you have the time, go, go read that article. That was, that was some good stuff. Well, and when you can throw 50 touchdowns in a season for a team, that's pretty good, even if it's in college. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right, so first six are gone. Number seven is Jacksonville. And, uh, 
What do you have going on here for Jacksonville? I have Jacksonville selecting, a lot like I had last month when we talked about this, TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson. I think you've been looking at my draft board because <laughs> as it just so happens, I have TJ Hawkinson going at number seven to Jacksonville as the heir apparent to Mercedes Lewis, who is now in Green Bay. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, longtime Jacksonville Jaguar, and uh, I think that TJ Hawkinson is just the right kind of guy that can slide in as a plug-and-play player, and he's going to help you in the run game for Leonard Fournette, and he's going to be catching some passes as a check down Charlie from Nick Foles. Um, I think that pretty much says it, uh, but am I missing anything here, Shem? Oh, not at all. I think that Jacksonville spent a lot of time watching tape of Nick Foles over the last couple of years and knows that he really wants to throw at a tight end. Jacksonville doesn't have a tight end of note right now. That, no, Austin Safarian Jenkins just left yeah, for just New England. Yeah, just became Patriot, and yep. they really need a guy who can come in and be that security blanket, and I think TJ Hawkinson's that guy. He's built like Gronk. He's massive and yeah. can run those short routes, can run deep seams. He's a guy that you can high point with the ball. He's great, and I think he'll be a perfect yeah. fit in Jacksonville. And for everything you just said – that's why this guy is being taken in the top 10. Normally, you don't see tight ends go this high. They're more of a pick that you see between 12 and 25 is when the first tight end comes off the board in most drafts. But this TJ Hawkinson, it's rare when you say a guy is as physically gifted as he is. He's also an exceptional pass catcher, and he's the best run-blocking tight end in the draft. So he covers all of these bases as the best tight end and uh, that's that's why he's going to be going high. And you just nailed it on the head where Jacksonville, they don't want Nick Foles to uh, throw the ball. They want to run it with Leonard Fournette. Absolutely. So you need a guy who can be out there in your base sets who's a tight end who can play close to the line so that he can actually block. Yes, yes. And TJ Hawkinson is that guy. All right. So the Mighty Lions of Detroit at number eight are the next on the board. Yes. Who are and, they taking? Uh, well, I, I told you about this yesterday, or was it the day before? But yesterday. I feel yeah. very confident in this pick. Maybe more so than really any of the other picks. But this just seems so obvious to me that the Detroit Lions are selecting a quarter, uh, excuse me, a cornerback. Well, I thought you were going to really lay it on us. <laughs> that Stafford was going away. No, and... no, that was a mistake. Slip of the tongue here. My apologies. Greedy Williams from LSU, I think, is the best cornerback in the draft. And Detroit is – they're going to be selecting the first defensive back off the board, in my opinion. So, Greedy Williams, I think he's going to be lining up next to Darius Slay. And uh, he, that division is very much based off of defense against a quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is coming into his own you got Kirk Cousins in the division along with Aaron Rodgers who is the best of the best so you better get yourself one of the best cornerbacks or you're going to be seeing a lot of touchdowns go over your head so I was pretty high on Greedy Williams at the start of the draft process but he's kind of fallen in my estimation uh, uh I kind of put him in that same tier as DeAndre Baker and Byron Murphy. 
I don't fault the pick, the Detroit Lions. Granted, I love big play Slay, Darius Slay. Uh, on my Madden Ultimate team, I always love to try to get Darius Slay so I can yell out big play Slay every time I get a pick six. But, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I have the Detroit Lions selecting Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. Big Christian Williams. Wilkins. Wilkins, excuse me. Big uh. defensive tackle. A winner, a guy who is a leader, a guy who can be the face of a defense. And for Detroit, they're trying to remake their defense in the image of Matt Patricia in that Patriot style where you have to focus on building that front seven, where you can get pressure not just on pass rushers, but also on your run. And so... Being able to put him in the middle of that defense along with Snacks Harrison, Damon Harrison, and Trey Flowers is going to make them really formidable going forward. See, you almost had me until that last part that you just said. Putting him next to Damon Harrison and Trey Flowers. This is where I got to disagree. They've already spent their money, spent some draft capital in getting Damon Harrison, and they really overpaid for Trey Flowers. Now, maybe Trey really Flowers... Over, that was, yeah, bad. May, maybe this guy is going to be the, the just a boss for the next five years, but I think they spent so much money in free agency and with that trade that this is where they need to spend some money elsewhere. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at two years down the road when you're paying the latter part of... Damon Harris's contract. You're three years into a first-round rookie contract, which is going to be five years for uh, Christian Wilkins, and you're halfway through the Trey Flowers deal. That's going to take up so much salary cap space. I, I really think they go in a different direction with Greedy Williams. But, you know, that's, that's why we have these debates, so that we can go back and forth. That's Moving right. on from number eight... We have the Buffalo Bills at nine. So uh, shock me now. What what are the Buffalo Bills and Scott McDermott doing to, right now? The Bills Mafia. So remember on my board, so different than yours in that you put Montez Sweat more in that uh, Quinnen, Keenan, Williams, yep. Uh, yep. Nick Bosa uh, tier. I actually have him lower. I have him more in the Christian Wilkins, uh, Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gary tier. Mm. And we always know that a player will fall in the draft for whatever reason, uh, whether it be yep. bad interviews, uh, not seen as being good scheme fit, not seen as being good locker room fit with that particular team, whatever the reason. Yeah, just bad luck sometimes. Yeah, and so I feel like Montez Sweat is going to be a person who will fall a little bit more. That being said, at number nine, I think the Bills go with Rashawn Gary out Ooh. of Michigan. Rashawn Gary was the number one overall player coming out of high school a stud at Michigan, a star on All or Nothing on Amazon. And I think that the Bills focus on those blue-collar, hard-working uh, guys. But Rashawn Gary's very, very intelligent. He was an academic All-American. And I think that Sean McDermott is going to really fall in love with him as a person and will pick Rashawn Gary. See, now I know you've been looking at my paper because after all that buildup about how Montez Sweat's going to drop in the draft 
and potentially get selected at nine. Now you just throw out at a left field, Rashawn Gary, and that's who I have the Bills taking at nine. Oh. So uh, you keep your eyes on your side of the table, and I'll keep my eyes over <laughs> here, buddy. Okay? But we are in agreement. I think Buffalo... For exactly what you just said, he's a very intelligent individual, an academic All-American. Uh, Rashawn Gary, I think, goes to Buffalo. He's exactly the kind of player I picture uh, Sean McDermott taking. So Rashawn Gary going at number nine up into the cold tundra of Buffalo. Buffalo. Now is the ultimate pick of the draft. The most important the pick most of the important. draft. The most important. Nothing else matters no. other than this no. pick. The first nine were just window dressing. Yeah, the first nine were just trying to see who's going to fall to Denver at 10. And so here we are, pick number 10, the Denver Broncos select. Well, he's already gone in your draft, so it's kind of anticlimactic. But in my mock draft predictions, Devin White Mm. is going to the Denver Broncos. And I have said for years, for years that Denver has needed to get themselves a top-flight middle linebacker, some just intense boss, get in your face, I'm going to make every single tackle, and then date your girlfriend afterwards just to stick it in your face. Devin White is that kind of guy to snatch away any kind of, uh, any kind of hope someone has of rushing it up the middle on a fourth and one. He is the guy... I think he's going to be a replacement to Todd Davis, at least maybe not this year, but next year for sure. Devin White going at number 10 to the Denver Broncos. Shem? Well, I would love it if Devin White falls to 10 and John Elway doesn't draft Devin White. I will be furious. Well, just look at my board. It happened right here. (laughs) I wrote it down. But in mine... Devin White's already gone. He went to Tampa Bay. He's hanging out with Bruce Arians and getting a tan and eating lobster with Jameis Winston. That's a bad move. <laughs> so in mind, though, another stud defensive player is available, and that is Ed Oliver. Now, Ed Oliver out of Houston is being billed as a defensive tackle. When he played for Houston... The rumors were that he was playing at about 270. That's not really a defensive tackle. No. And even right now, he's listed at 287. Once again, that doesn't really seem like a big defensive tackle to me, which means to me, I really like the idea of him being a defensive end on a 3-4 defense. If you were to be able to put stud pass rusher Ed Oliver on one side, Shelby Harris nose tackle, and then... Derek Wolf, as well as Chubb and Von Miller coming from both ends, that quarterback that you are playing is going to have a rough day. And Ed Oliver is a guy who maybe he does put on some weight, and then when you go into heavy packages, you can move him inside next to Shelby Harris and bring in Adam Gotsis and play heavy that way while still keeping your pass rush. Granted, I've given up hope on the Broncos ever being able to stop a run. And so let's just double down. Let's make sure no one will ever pass the ball. Well, that's a uh, a, a possibility of what might happen. But as you can see, my paper is very different. And this is what's actually going to happen. So Devin White 
is going to the Denver Broncos. And it's going to be for two very specific reasons. There were back-to-back games where Denver gave up 200 yards rushing. And one of those was to the broken, bummer, no threat, Isaiah Crowell. When Isaiah Crowell rushes for 200 yards against your team, you have to get some new middle linebackers. That is an abomination that Isaiah Crowell, and he didn't even do it on that many carries. What was it, like 16 or 18 carries to rush for, I think it was 220-plus yards? Shame. For shame. Vance Joseph should have been fired after that game alone. So, in mine, Tampa Bay does not go for Devin White. That's how it's going to be. I'm speaking it into existence. (laughs) Uh, If Ed Oliver is selected at number 10, sure, you know what, for what you just said, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would put him opposite Derek Wolf as well to replace Adam Gotsis, who really just hasn't lived up to his name, been in a little bit of a trouble off the field as well. Um, but I, I think a lot of what Denver does is going to be dependent upon Shelby Harris. I think this uh, his re-signing was kind of a prove-it deal. So maybe Ed Oliver is a replacement to Shelby Harris if he doesn't work out and it gives a year for Ed Oliver to learn the scheme and and build on some weight. So really either one of these situations could work and I think it's in Denver's benefit to take them both. So um those are the first 10 picks. First I mean, 10. Well, I had to open up another beer cuz, you know, we're making time right now. We're making very good time. We have the Cincinnati Bengals coming uh. in at number 11. Now, if we could do some recap of the top 10. I mean, we have two quarterbacks. Uh there's a tight end but every other player so far has been on the defensive side of the ball. Does that kind of uh, make you a little worried that maybe we're making the wrong predictions here? I mean, that's 70% of the first 10 picks that are on the defensive side of the ball. You said it a couple of weeks ago that this was a defensive-heavy draft, but do you think that's a little too heavy, or are we just seeing it how it's going to go? I don't think that it's too heavy at all. I think that that is the talent of this class, and that is the strength. That's what people all around the league are saying, is that this draft is one of the deepest, especially on the defensive line, in recent memory. And so there's an opportunity to be able to get a stud at a number of different positions. And if you aren't taking a chance on supreme talent in this draft on the defensive side you might be hurting in a couple of years absolutely so at number 11 what do you have happening with the cincinnati Bengals? Ah, the mighty Bengals of cincinnati well we just talked about it how all of these defensive linemen are going there's been a tight end there's been two quarterbacks There hasn't been an offensive lineman yet. So I have the Cincinnati Bengals being the first to select an offensive lineman. Jawan Taylor out of Florida. Big guy could probably come into the league as a right tackle, transition to left tackle. And the Bengals have really struggled without Andrew Whitworth, Whitfield. Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. And... uh, So this is their opportunity to try and give Andy Dalton, which 
Once again, Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback for Cincinnati. Uh, some additional protection. They have a new offensive-minded coach who is going to be focused on keeping Andy Dalton upright and handing the ball off to what's his name? What's his name? The running back. I don't. I don't think that's his actual name. Not Giovanni Bernard, but the other guy. You know, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, him, <laughs> yeah. I figured you'd just get it on your own. I was going to let you just get it organically. No, but... all I was thinking about was Giovanni Bernard for some reason. Ah, okay. Well, Maybe was... I was looking at him in the Dynasty League, but I totally wasn't because I would never pick him up. Well, it was funnier the way I did it. But <laughs> um, So you have them taking an offensive tackle. As it happens, I have them taking an offensive tackle. Uh, I think this is the first place where an offensive lineman comes off the board, except I have it a little bit different. And maybe this is just kind of a hometown bias, but down the road we have a college that is occasionally good in Washington State. Mm. And I think this is where Andre Dillard comes off the board, one of the highest, one of the highest uh, uh, Washington State Cougars to come off the board in an NFL draft. I'm definitely cutting off Ryan Lee. Yeah, here. just cut him right just, out there. It, we don't even need to remember him at all. He's just uh, he's just a thing that happened with someone in some place. Very forgettable. Yes, Andre Dillard. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the highest uh, offensive lineman to be taken from the Cougars uh, that has ever happened. So Andre Dillard going at number 11 to the Cincinnati Bengals, filling in exactly where you just said. The Bengals haven't been the same since Andrew Whitworth's departure, and I think this is a guy that could uh, really step up and uh, protect Andy Dalton, who's been on and off the field lately uh, because he's not getting the right kind of protection. Well, we're in agreement about the position, however, not the player. So let's move on to number 12. The Green Bay Packers are on the clock. Who will they select? Well, I'm just going to stay right in this vein, and I'm going to go with another offensive tackle, except this time, if I'm not mistaken, he's hailing from Alabama Ah. in Jonah Williams. I think uh, last year Aaron Rodgers stayed on his feet for most of the season, but he still wasn't protected to the fullest that he could have been. And if you look at the previous two years before that, he hasn't even finished the season. So... I think the offensive line is where they need the most help. They could certainly use some assistance in uh, run blocking. I think Jonah Williams is the guy. Alabama loves to run the ball. That's just where they're. That's where their meat and potatoes is. So uh, uh, Jonah Williams going to Green Bay help out. Maybe some Jamal Williams, some Aaron Jones, protect uh, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I think the Green Bay offense benefits tremendously. I would agree that they would certainly look at Jonah Williams, but on my board, the Green Bay Packers are busy celebrating that one of the better players has fallen to them at 12, and that is Montez Sweat Ah. makes his appearance with the Green Bay Packers to make up for maybe some of that Clay Matthews departure. Uh, They certainly struggled at getting at the quarterback last year. So he's a guy who will make up that ground for them. Once again, big six foot six guy who is going to grow into a little bit more of his body, as well as he's already super, has great speed, has good power. 
Uh, he certainly has a lot of room to grow. Can you say room to grow with a six foot six guy? It, I mean, it's possible. I would say that the biggest issue is going to run into is having to grow in the sense of scheme mm. because a lot of people have pegged Montez Sweat as a 4-3 edge rusher, and now that Mike Pettin is staying in Green Bay, uh, it, I mean, they're full steam ahead with this 3-4 scheme. So, I mean, I, I think Montez Sweat could either help you as a 3-4 um, defensive lineman or an outside linebacker, and and maybe they actually use that massive frame that he has as an outside linebacker, considering they actually let go of Clay Matthews. Oh. So it is a new era in Green Bay, a lot of changes. Uh, so Montez Sweat also reminds me of a guy. Well, since we watch a lot of Broncos games, where we talked about quite a bit, a guy like Shaq Barrett how they should have just put his hand in the dirt and yeah. made him a defensive yeah. end. And that's what I think that the Packers should do with Montez Sweat if he were to fall to them. Yes. Just be put his hand in the dirt, let him be a 3-4 end. All right. Well, that comes to uh, Unlucky 13, the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think I know where you're going with this, mm. but uh, just humor me. And who do you have Miami taking at number 13? I have them taking the third quarterback off the board, Drew Locke out of Missouri, the one who destroyed the University of Idaho in a game. <laughs> you're going to have to be a lot more specific for people to really know who you're talking about in the sense of destroying Idaho. <laughs> uh, but I know what you're talking about, Drew Locke. Quarterback from Missouri, I completely agree. I think he's going to Miami. He's going to be the bridge um, that you want to – the side of the bridge you want to get through after you have to deal with Ryan Fitzpatrick for uh, three to four weeks. And maybe he actually just wins the starting job outright in the preseason. Who knows? But uh, Drew Locke, I think, is going to be the uh, the next guy. Ryan Tannehill's on the out, and it doesn't look like Dan Marino's coming out of retirement anytime soon. So you better get your guy now. And I know there's been talk about Miami potentially full-on tanking to try and move up in the draft next year to get a better quarterback, though that is usually a horrible idea in the NFL, and you for sure won't work. So if you like Drew Locke, you should take him. I, I agree. I don't think tanking is is acceptable in the NFL. Um, maybe it works for the NBA. Cough, cough, the 76ers. Um, maybe it works in the MLB, Trust hockey. The I don't know. But we've seen so many times that coaches get fired after one year. I mean, insert name here, Jim, Jim Tom Sula. Mm. How about Chip Kelly? Yeah. How about Steve Wilkes last year? All these guys thought that maybe if, as long as I get through this first year, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get a high pick in my second year. And now they're looking for jobs. So um, I, I wouldn't trust that strategy at all to tank for a year and assume that you can get who you want in the second year. I think that just puts way too much pressure on you. And, uh, I mean, for example, let's look at Cleveland. They went 0-16, and then the very next year, even though they did look better, they drastically improved. It still wasn't enough to save Hugh Jackson's job, and he was fired mid-season. So um, uh, who, who's the uh, – Brian Flores in Miami, is that correct? 
Yeah, the former Patriot, not even technically defensive coordinator, wasn't he the linebackers coach who linebackers also helped with coach, the something like that, but, play calling? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I think if this guy decides to tank, I I think he's going to be out of a job before next season even starts. So, um, not the decision I would go with, but the decision I would dis- would uh, pick up is uh, Drew Locke here. I think he's going at thirteen. I like what you said. I was thinking about it was Drew Locke might very well beat Ryan Fitzpatrick out for the job before the season starts. Very much so. First uh, week of preseason, uh, Fitzpatrick throws an interception, and then it's all Drew Locke from there on out. Well, and as you said, I mean, they if there's the talk that they might tank this year, then it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that they're going to be bad. So why not put your guy out there to get as much experience as possible in a losing season? Like, you need to know how to lose before you can ever learn how to win. And it was Bill Polian who said that he actually likes the model of first-round quarterbacks playing the entire rookie season to get as many reps as they can. He had Peyton Manning, number one overall pick, obviously, but also threw more interceptions than any rookie ever has. Yes, yes. And that actually turned out pretty well, if I, if I can say so. Sure. But uh, moving on now, let's go to pick number 14 for the Atlanta Falcons. I almost said the Atlanta Braves. I don't know what's in my head right now, but that almost <laughs> slipped out. The Atlanta Falcons selecting at number 14. Who do you have going to play in Georgia? Georgia, I have a pick that you already made or a person in Jonah Williams. Ah. I think Jonah Williams is a guy who could come in as either your right tackle or either of the guard positions. He's quick on his feet, like you said, Alabama guy, big run blocker, uh, can do pass protect, obviously, but if you're drafting an Alabama offensive lineman, you're drafting him thinking that you're just getting a big dude that can go downhill uh, pulling as a guard can be your lead block off the ends, but Jonah Williams, not a sexy pick for Atlanta, but a necessary pick for them to get better going forward. Well, I am staying in the same vein as you. However, I've already have Jonah Williams off the board at this point, And in my predictions, you already have this guy off the board. I'm going to say Juwan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida. Uh, I think that's where he's going. The The Falcons need more help on the offensive line, uh, and it's only going to be shown more that they need it, that extra help now that Tevin Coleman's gone. Uh, maybe Ish Smith steps up, but uh, they need more help to protect Ryan. Uh, wow, I almost said Ryan. <laughs> Matt Ryan, not, not Ryan, whatever that was. Um, so Juwan Taylor, offensive tackle, going to play in Georgia. Now for number... 15 the washington redskins Mm. what is going on there they have issues all over the board they've made some big splashes in free agency uh but i think people have been saying this for years what are the redskins doing yeah no one can say what they're doing however to start this podcast i said that the washington professional football team would trade their second round pick for Josh Rosen. There's certainly a discussion about them 
potentially drafting a wide receiver, but I do not see them doing that. Instead, I see them, like you said, they have needs all over the board. So I think that they take the best player available, and I think that's Devin Bush. Devin Bush. Ooh, I'm not so sure on that one. I think what the Redskins are really needing is some help on the outside skill positions. They are looking mighty thin at the wide receiver position now that uh, Jamison Crowder has said bye-bye. And still, Josh Dotson has just not come through. I think it's, it's just about time to pull the plug on this guy unless he can finally come into his own this year. But I have the Washington Redskins going on the offensive side of the ball and selecting DK Metcalf, a guy who I think is the best wide receiver in the draft. As a, and what I mean in that sense is I think this guy, skill positions is tough to predict because sometimes depending on where they go, they're not going to be used very much. This guy I think is a the best option in the sense of Put him in his spot, and he's going to be productive. You don't have to worry about him being a scheme fit. I don't think you have to worry about him being uh, any kind of a distraction at all. I think he's just going to go in, pick up his stats, and that's going to call it a day. DK Metcalf going at number 15 to the Washington Redskins. That's what I got. Well, they certainly need help at receiver, but Devin Bush shall be the selection because... They also need leadership on that defensive end or that defensive side. And Devin Bush isn't all that far behind Devin White. Devin Bush measures almost identical to Devin White, but he's only a couple of tenths slower, a couple of pounds lighter, an inch shorter. He's uh, Devin Bush is Devin White. What? Uh, Littler version. Littler version. <laughs> Littler okay. version. All right. However, it would. I think Devin Bush would be the correct selection for Washington to make. I think that they should. I think that they would. But Jake Gruden certainly has to worry about his job. And so that's where DK Metcalf makes sense. All right. So number 16, the Carolina Panthers. I'll be honest with you, this was one of the hardest ones I had to make because I genuinely didn't care about what selection they were going to make. So, who did you have for Carolina? Well, uh, as you've mentioned, sometimes the draft just spins this way, and uh, you have players that just keep falling down the boards. And for you, that player was Montez Sweat, that you just think that some some teams are going to pass on him because they may have a better option here, or... They, they pick for need instead of want, you know, instead of getting the best player available. I think this is where Ed Oliver comes off the board. He's oh. my pick to kind of slip down the draft. Ed Oliver is a top 10 pick, but sometimes the draft just spins this way, and that's why he's going to fall all the way to 16 to the Carolina Panthers. I also have a little asterisk here. I would not be surprised for really Ed Oliver or any of the defensive linemen from uh, Clemson, whether it's Christian Wilkins, whether it's Clellan Farrell, or, or uh, Dexter Lawrence, any of those guys could slip in here, but I think Ed Oliver is the guy that falls down the board and gets selected here at Carolina where 
they just love this pick. I mean, they get super lucky, and sometimes the cards just fall your way. And so with Carolina, looking at their team, they really have a lack of playmakers. They have Christian McCaffrey. He is their playmaker. And every year they try and draft wide receivers and absolutely fail at it. Yes. DJ Moore last year, Curtis Samuels the year before. Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin, who they traded. And then Devin Funches. Devin Funches, who they just let walk. And so they're still looking for that elite playmaker for Cam Newton. And with Cam Newton, we've said it for years. He does two things. He will either throw it two yards up the field at a 100-mile-an-hour fastball right at the guy's chest, or he throws deep down the field. He just wants to take deep shots down the field. Uh, Greg Olson has certainly benefited, and also a guy who has been hurt quite a bit because he throws deep down the seams, and Greg Olson gets hit doing that. So... I think the Carolina Panthers select the guy who a lot of people have as the best wide receiver in the draft. I think he probably is. He was probably the best wide receiver in college football last year. I don't know if he'll have the best pro career, and that is Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. He is essentially Tyreek Hill. Uh... I think if it wasn't for the success that Tyreek Hill has had in Kansas City, Hollywood Brown might be a third or fourth round draft pick. But because people have seen the value of a guy who, what's, what's he listed at? 5'9? Yep, 5'9, 166. And has just burner speed. So Cam Newton can just launch the ball down the field and he can run underneath it and catch it. Maybe this wide receiver will work out. Probably not. But there it is, Carolina. See, the, the, I think the reason why it's not going to work out is for the reasons you've already said as to what Cam Newton is. And I would disagree on the first part. You said he either throws the ball 100 miles an hour, two yards down the field, or he throws the ball deep. In actuality, he does those things occasionally, but the thing he does the most of is run the ball down the field and wide receivers just are not going to thrive under Cam Newton's franchise mint of uh, the Carolina Panthers. He's a scrambling quarterback. He's always been a scrambling quarterback, and he's always going to be a scrambling quarterback. That's what he does well, and that's what he's going to stick to. Christian McCaffrey is a great pairing with him because he can be that check-down guy when Cam Newton gets himself into a pickle in the backfield. So Marquise Brown would be an excellent pick, I don't trust him because he's coming out of the Big Ten. There's no college team that actually plays defense there. So to look at stats from wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks out of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, I don't trust them because it you expect almost every single one of those games to end 65-55 to 55 with... 500 passing yards and 200 rushing yards and some wide receiver had 175 yards and three touchdowns. That's a stat line that happens in almost every single one of those rivalry games. So when your stats are being padded like that, I I don't trust that kind of concept to translate in the NFL. Um, Marquise Brown, I have going a little bit later in the draft, but still a first rounder. Um, But 
considering how Carolina has gotten this pick so wrong the past years in wide receivers, it makes sense that they would take Marquise Brown and then have it blow up in their face. <laughs> Just why not? Just, <laughs> why not? Let's try it out. I, yeah, let's let's go pick the shiny thing in the grass. Let's go for <laughs> it. It's not a big deal. All right, moving on to number 17. We are halfway through the draft, and we have the New York Giants moving up with their second pick in the draft, the pick that they have traded with the Cleveland Browns to for the Browns to acquire Odell Beckham Jr. So what are the Giants doing with this pick? Do they find Odell Beckham Jr.'s replacement? Uh, are they going on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, we have them selecting a quarterback at six. Uh, what's going on here, Shem? Now, this pick, I would have made the exact same if it was Cleveland drafting at 17. The New York football Giants, however, have the pick, and they select DK Metcalf to come in and replace Odell Beckham Jr., a guy who has the body of a Greek god and big guy, runs down the field, can high point the ball, make spectacular catches. And I think that the people in New York are going to be super, super excited about this because they've just solved their offense for the next decade where you have Sterling Shepard. Now you have DK Metcalf, you have probably the best running back in football next year in Saquon Barkley. You still have Evan Ingram, who's a top 12 tight end. And you have Dwayne Haskins coming in to be your heir apparent to Eli Manning, according to our mutual mock drafts. So for me, DK Metcalf is the pick. It is a pick that will energize the Giants. The Giants will be energized by this draft and have a bright future going forward. What do you have the New York football Giants selecting? I have the the, the Giants selecting someone that is um, already taken in, in your draft. But I think they go for a replacement here. But it's not Odell Beckham Jr. that they're replacing. In fact, it's someone that I think they may miss a little bit more until this pick. Damon Harrison who was with the Giants, now with the Lions, I think they get his replacement here at 17. I have them taking Christian Wilkins, Mm -hmm. defensive tackle out of Clemson. I I think that's where he goes. I think it's a good pick. Um, I I think they would have loved to see Ed Oliver here, but he just didn't fall far enough. And uh, the New York Giants select their defensive tackle replacement at number 17. Certainly could happen, but won't because Christian Wilkins is going to go to the Detroit Lions. I I keep forgetting that you have a different uh, (laughs) prediction list and that yours is going to happen instead of what mine is. I don't know why I filled this out if if yours was going to be so accurate. Yeah, sorry you had to waste that time. Uh, Uh, You know, I I did it in like five minutes, so it's not a big deal. (laughs) All right, coming up at number 18, we have the Minnesota Vikings and their... uh, should I say Starship Minnesota Vikings, considering they have Captain Kirk at the helm? Uh, ah. I don't want to bring out too many Star Trek references and show off my nerddom, but uh, my geek power is very strong. This is true. However, the Minnesota Vikings who will select Jeffrey Simmons, a guy who 
also would have been probably a top five pick had he not torn his ACL. They're a team that doesn't really have a lot of holes. They're a team that looks like a playoff team on paper. They certainly need a guy like uh, Kirk Cousins to play like a top 10, top 12 quarterback for them to make the playoffs. They have the defense for it. So they're a guy that can, or a team that can wait a year on a talent that could be in the top five. So I have them with Jeffrey Simmons. I do not see it. I do not see it. I do not agree with it. It will not happen. Mm. No, it will not be Jeffrey Simmons. In fact, this is someone I have seen taken in multiple other mock drafts. You can correct me on this, but I'm right. Cody Ford is going to be selected at number 18 for the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm going to give you two reasons here. You said that the Minnesota Vikings don't have a lot of holes, but I see a giant gaping one that has been an issue and it's getting worse. They need to address it right now with this pick. Cody Ford is a guard slash center. He's going to be playing guard, but this has been an issue for the Minnesota Vikings for a while. Kirk Cousins gets a little bit of happy feet when you put pressure in his face. He needs to have a calm pocket. Not only that, this is my reason number two. The Minnesota Vikings rushing game has gone prog- not progressively, congressively downward. <laughs> How do I say that here? They've Regressed? Got- regressively. They, they have been just terrible year after year after year and getting worse. Dalvin Cook has not been staying on the field. Latavius Murray is now gone. Uh, Adrian Peterson is no more. This is a different Vikings team, and they need to run the ball when November and December get here. They have to have some offensive line help. They let uh, Matt Khalil go. This this is an issue, and you better address it now. Otherwise, you might see that major uh, money investment you put into Kirk Cousins all for naught if he gets himself some sort of major injury because you weren't protecting him correctly. But that's what I got for number 18. All right, so moving on to number 19, the Tennessee Titans. Who do you have the Tennessee Titans selecting? Well, I think the, the Titans... I don't see a lot of problem areas here. I, I mean, if you look at them in a microscope, they have issues. There's questions at, at uh, their second wide receiver. There's questions at quarterback. There's questions uh, whether it's offensive scheme. Uh, but as far as a position situation, I think this is where they can just kind of let the draft come to them. And I actually have them selecting Delaney Walker's replacement at number 19 in Noah Fant. I think he's the second best tight end off the board. Delaney Walker uh, had an injury, serious injury last year. If I'm not mistaken, he's going to be 34 or 35 at the start of the season. So you're not expecting him to, you know, reach a new height. This is the time of a player's career when their uh, health and their production uh, go go down year to year to year. I think it's the time to pull the trigger high on a guy. Uh, Noah Fant, I think he's the man. 
Certainly not a bad pick. I like what you said, and I went the same direction, where they're a team that can let the draft come to them. And I think that at this point, at least on my board, not a lot of guys have fallen to this point. So they can also draft based off talent. And I think one of the more talented players in the draft is Brian Burns, a guy from Florida State who's one of those speed, athletic, outside pass rushers. And so they have Cameron Wake, the Tennessee Titans do. So Brian Burns could be a long-term replacement for him. Athletically, he looks like a guy who could be one of those 10 to 15 sack a season guys. And so to be able to get a guy with that talent at number 15 is pretty awesome. Or number 19, I guess, is pretty awesome. And so I think they go Brian Burns. Brian Burns would make a lot of sense. Uh, he's still on my board uh, for a potential pick. So like I said, this this could be a pick where they go in a lot of different directions. Um, it's it's kind of one of those spots in the draft where you're a lot of times you're not drafting for a need. You're drafting for depth. So uh, whether it's tight end, whether it's cornerback, defensive line, offensive line, even a wide receiver here wouldn't make uh, a lot of crazy sense. So I think Tennessee, they're a wild card here. In fact, I would say they're a huge candidate for someone that's positioned later in the draft to trade up for. Be expecting someone like Tennessee, a team like that, to trade back in the draft, get some more assets, and, and select the guy that they still want, you know, in the mid to late 20s. They are certainly a trade back option. All right, so number 20, we have the Kardashians, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> the Kardashians. <laughs> oh, you kill me. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I, I mean, what, Lamar Odom? Is, is that the guy that they're going for? Oh, Pittsburgh? for sure. Is Andrew Bynum? Uh, it's got to be somebody that, that, that meshes well with, uh, with Chloe and, and Cleo. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know the names. I'm sorry. I can't pretend to know what I'm talking about. Sure. But, Kanye. But Pittsburgh, who do you have them taking here? What's, what's going on in, in Steelerland? So Pittsburgh, I have them selecting the guy who I think is the best cornerback in the draft, and that is DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. They need another corner on that team. Uh, I think they still have Joe Hayden, though Joe Hayden's getting older. They're a team that certainly got burnt on deep passes on, well, opposing wide receiver skill position players in general. Yeah. So they, I see them really needing to uh, plug that gap, and I see DeAndre Baker as a very stealer type of player big corner he's listed at uh 205 pounds over six feet tall he's a guy who can hit can cover do all the little things as a corner well deandre baker would be an excellent pickup i think they've already addressed that position though in acquiring steven nelson from kansas city so i think steven nelson and joe hayden are going to be the guys maybe they go for deandre baker as your slot man slowly bring him up because joe hayden is not a spring chicken anymore he's only got a couple of years left in his career i feel and certainly we are very familiar with a team having a keep to chris harris jr and then drafting a very talented corner at least at that time 
in Bradley yeah. Roby to be your number three guy. Joe Hayden, no spring chicken, and I don't think anyone's being super happy about a Kansas City corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they what they were doing last year was not a lot of defense, so that yeah, you got me on that one. However, I, I got to disagree. I don't think they go with DeAndre Baker. I like that pick. That makes a lot of sense. I think DeAndre Baker and actually Byron Murphy would be excellent selections for Pittsburgh. I have them going for a different guy, though. Another person that's kind of fallen down the draft boards. Uh, but it's a defensive lineman from Clemson in Clellan Farrell. I think they just go for a depth position here. I think he's going to be, at this point of the draft, the 20th pick, I think he's the best player on the board, and he fits into something that, that they would really need. He's he's a scheme kind of guy. I think Clellan Farrell uh, makes a lot of sense here. So um, another position to watch out for Pittsburgh to select is potentially a wide receiver. I don't like that kind of move. Because whoever you draft at wide receiver here is going to be instantly compared to Antonio Brown. When's he going to be Antonio Brown? You need to let that kind of just calm down a little bit before you get somebody else. Um, so I have Clellan Farrell. You have DeAndre Baker. We're both seeing the defensive side of the ball for Pittsburgh. I, I think that's where they're going. Absolutely. So at 21, the Sea Chickens, uh, uh, Seahawks of Seattle are on the board so who do you have seattle drafting seattle or houston 21 is seattle 23 is houston well i i've mixed that up on my paper my apologies but i do have a seattle selection here i think this is where they go for deandre baker certainly yeah I, I, I mean, this is where a lot of these guys, I think, are going to be taken. These, the second tier of this defensive class, just continuing with that, I don't see a lot of offensive players that are sneaking in. And really, I don't think Seattle needs a lot of help on the offensive side of the ball. They could go for a Noah Fant if he ends up falling to him because uh, they really haven't had a tight end since Jimmy Graham, uh, since Luke Wilson, but... Uh, they may have their replacements there already. And um, another thing to watch for, if they do go offense, watch out for wide receiver. I've been hearing some stuff that Doug Baldwin may be heading towards the end of his career. He was mulling over retirement, actually, of whether he was going to come back this year. Yeah. So I went with the same position, but I went Greedy Williams because oh, I my. still have Greedy Williams on my board. And he certainly could take a tumble i've uh outlined how <laughs> yes <laughs> but greedy williams seems like a seattle seahawk type of corner maybe because because he's six foot two 180 185 with long arms which makes me think richard sherman so uh i think we both see uh seattle needing a little bit more help on the outside of their defense yeah or in their back yeah yeah uh, if i can put one more asterisk on this because again these kinds of teams are the hardest to predict because being later in the draft you don't know how it's all gonna turn out but also there's so many needs that are on these teams but they're that the the top of the draft 
the needs are obvious. You know, Tampa Bay needs an edge rusher. That's absolute. Um, but these teams in the middle area, their needs are not as clear. So um, one area I would say, just as an asterisk, watch out for Chris Lindstrom, a guard. Uh, I, I don't think that Seattle is convinced that Justin Britt is the guy for this year. Um, that offensive line has kind of been in a state of flux ever since they got rid of Tom Cable last year. So watch out for maybe a replacement coming in. They get a little bit younger on that offensive line. Justin Britt is getting a lot older. Um, they, they, they're going to need to start making some moves because Justin Britt, um, uh, Dwayne Brown, both these guys, they're getting into their later years. This is their last contract. Yes. So, <laughs> sorry, I just ended it there real quick. <laughs> Number twenty-two with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, who do you have them taking here? So the Ravens have made a decision that they're just going to run the ball every single play. Every play. Every play. They're not going to throw it. It's going to be nineteen fifty style football in Baltimore. And to do that, Auto you Graham. need a lot of running backs. You have to have a quarterback who is a running back, which they have. And you also need a good offensive line with a lot of versatility, uh, maybe a little bit more size where or uh, guys who are larger but quicker on their feet where you can move upfield a little bit better. And one of those guys who I got to watch a lot of was Andre Dillard of Washington State ah. getting on that offensive line for Baltimore, potentially being a right tackle for him. And, well, helping Lamar Jackson run 30 times a game. Well, it that would be a smart pick considering the offensive scheme that they're going for. I think Andre Dillard, I have him already taken off the board at this point, but uh, I do have Chris Lindstrom. I do have Garrett Bradbury. I got Greg Little. There's several offensive linemen that are open for this position. However... I have another guy that you've already taken off the board. I think this is where he comes off because it's just a perfect pick for the Ravens. Devin Bush. Oh. Little devil Devin White uh, is going to be playing in Baltimore, in my opinion, because if there was one thing that free agency taught us is that Baltimore just doesn't need linebackers. They let C.J. Mosley go. Uh, they let Terrell Suggs go. Um uh, who 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 is the other uh, middle C. linebacker? CJ Mosley, but it was the guy that went to Green Bay. Oh, um, uh, Zahir Smith. Yes, uh, Zardav Darius Smith Zardar or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, but they let three of their four starting linebackers go. I think they are just tickled pink that this player fell to them. Most likely, he's already off the board at this point. Devin Bush is a stud, but. Uh, some players just fall, and there's not a lot of teams in this first round that are needing a middle linebacker that is uh, just of his quality. So I think Devin Bush comes off the board here. All right. That brings us to, uh, what is it, number 23 now with the Houston Texans. Houston Texans. All right. Well, um, I kind of got a little bit of a hot take here. Uh I think this is where um, we see uh, Nazir Adderley come off the board. Wow. 
Uh, it's kind of a stretch pick. He may not actually go until the second round, um, but I think Nazir Adderley is the guy for Houston considering they were so quick to let Tyron Matthew go. They were also very quick to let Kareem Jackson go, who was kind of that cornerback slash safety. Um, but they, they got to make some moves to correct this defensive backfield because they could they could be in some, some very difficult situations now that Andrew Luck seems to be completely healthy and, and, and really ready to take that division. So I went with Byron Murphy, or Murphy, yeah, Byron Murphy out of UW, Washington. He seems like a guy who is a hard-hitting corner who could also play some safety, who reminds me of Kareem Jackson. And uh, I was actually struggling with him and DeAndre Baker with Pittsburgh, where I could see them easily flip-flopping where uh, uh, Byron Murphy uh, goes to Pittsburgh, DeAndre Baker goes to Houston. Either way, Houston definitely needs some help in their secondary. Yes. So, number 24, Oakland. Yes, their second pick of this first round, the second of three. And I'm just going to piggyback right where you left off, considering you just said his name. I think this is where Byron Murphy comes off the board at number 24 for the Oakland Raiders. They are in some desperate need for help on that defensive backfield. Just defense in general. If they just throw a dart at a defensive player in somebody's name, that's the guy that they need to plug and play as a starter on defense. They were horrible. I would say... In many ways, they were even worse than the Kansas City Chiefs last year on defense, which is saying so much. But Byron Murphy makes a lot of sense here. He's got very long arms. I think he's a physical kind of player. Um, uh, so Byron Murphy going at number 24. Who do you have for uh, the second pick from Mike Mayock in the Oakland Raiders? Mike Mayock makes a big splash and takes the first running back oh, off the board and gets Josh Jacobs out of Alabama 510 220 I think he is the best running back on uh or in the on the board or in this draft and Mike Mayock certainly needs some help at running back as he is about to start the guy who you talked about earlier Isaiah Crowell in yep. the Isaiah Crowell will only play the Broncos twice a year so they need someone to uh, play the, the other 14 back. games. Yeah, yeah, for the other 14 games. And Josh Jacobs can be that guy. I think that he will be, well, the first running back off the board, and the first one will be the Oakland Raiders to select a running back. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a, a, a kind of an X factor here because there's, there's really no clear-cut number one running back. I think people have just kind of accepted that Josh Jacobs is the guy because – if you look at his physicality, he's kind of that guy that you're looking for. You already said his his uh, his measurements here. The the 220 pounds. That's exactly the kind of weight that you want your running back to come into on week one. He's just big enough to run you over, but he's just small enough to outrun somebody. Um, and leading up into the last week or so, I've seen this guy in mock drafts going all over the place, going to Oakland, going to Philadelphia, going to Kansas City. Uh, I've even seen Indianapolis. And ever since the Jordan Howard trade, 
now that the Eagles are out of the market for running back, I think it's just a foregone conclusion that Oakland takes this guy. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm tempted to agree with you here, but I'm going to stick with my pick with Byron Murphy, the Raiders going for the secondary. I mean, they do have another pick here in the draft. So maybe instead of getting a cornerback here, they get a running back and then get their cornerback later in the draft. I don't, I don't know. But that's for another time. We have the very next pick coming up, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, who do you have coming from Philly? Or going to Philly, I should say. Fly, Eagles, fly. I have Jonathan Abraham. Jonathan Or Ab- Abram. Abram. Jonathan Abram. Uh, safety out of Mississippi State, a guy who is that kind of classic strong safety who can play up on the line, make hits, be effective in run defense. I mostly have the Eagles selecting him because I'm pretty sure the Eagles are hoping that Murphy, Baker, or uh, Greedy Williams fall to them because they had horrible, horrible luck in their secondary. Everyone kept getting hurt. They kept playing guys who were coming off the couch. So I see whoever the best player remaining, who is a secondary player, the Eagles drafting in the first round to build some depth there so that they don't go through what they just went through last year. Well, uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. These teams are hard to predict because their needs are not as pronounced and not as obvious as other ones. Um, I could see the Philadelphia Eagles going for offensive line, going for defensive line, going for safety here. It's it's really just a crapshoot of what's going on. I was tempted to say Draymond Jones, defensive tackle. Uh, I, I was very tempted to go with Chris Lindstrom here, but I think I'm just going to play it safe. I think Philadelphia selects Garrett Bradbury. I think oh. he's a he's the kind of player that can play multiple positions. I mean, he's a center, he's a he's a guard. I think this guy slides in here as a depth pick, someone to help them on the offensive line. You got to protect Carson Wentz at, at least one of these years, you know. And and now that they've gotten Jordan Howard, hopefully that takes some pressure off of Wentz. And you're going to need to change the culture of this offense a little bit into more of a run-oriented team if Jordan Howard is going to succeed. So I think they go offensive line here. Just, you know, really wake up that that, that starting five as to uh, who it's going to be and uh, who's the best player available. So Garrett Bradbury is my guy, uh, but it's it's difficult to pick here. Um, I, I, I was very tempted to go Draymond Jones. Ever since they got rid of Tim Jernigan, uh, I was pretty convinced they were going defensive tackle, but kind of the last minute, I just I changed my mind and went offensive line. All right, so that takes us to the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you have the Colts selecting? Well, I hate to say this because this hurts me. Um, so uh, Shem and I have a fantasy football league, and it's a dynasty league. And I have Marlon Mack. I've held on to Marlon Mack ever since he was drafted, and it was only until like midway through last season that I finally saw dividends of this player. And I think they're all going to go away. Because that's just my luck. I think Marlon Mack is just a one-hit wonder. I should have traded him away when he was hot, and now it's not going to be so. Josh Jacobs is going to Indianapolis Mm -hmm. as kind of a thunder to the lightning of Marlon Mack. Um... 
I don't think that they truly believe that Marlon Mack can stay healthy for 16 games. I don't think they want him running 20 to 25 times a game. And the guys they drafted last year were just placeholders. In in Jordan Wilkins, uh, those guys are not legitimate starters. They need themselves a big guy who can be a boss in the red zone to get you those two yards when you're when you're at fourth and two. So Josh Jacobs is the guy coming off for the Indianapolis Colts. That's what I got. And I'm going on the other side of the ball and saying Clellan or Quellen Farrell from Clemson. They're a team that needs uh, always more pass rushers. He's a guy who Farrell had 21 sacks over the last two years at Clemson. He had 36 and a half uh, tackles for a loss. So he's a guy who can get after the quarterback, be able to cause turnovers, be able to cause punts based off yardage loss to give Andrew Luck more of an opportunity going forward. So I think that they address their future at pass rusher in Indianapolis. I think they already have the best player on the defensive side of football last year in Darius Leonard, their middle linebacker. So being able to put a young pass rusher next to him would be something very beneficial going forward as they try to build a greater playoff team over the next decade. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, I it, it's it's kind of a it, it's a difficult call to make, but uh, I mean, I think either way they go with what I said or what you said, I think they're going to be they're on the 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 right path there. I mean, Frank Reich has really turned this team around from what it was looking like they were going to be. The the defense was just horrid under Chuck Pagano. And ever since you brought in this offensive-minded Frank Reich, he's made the right calls. And Darius Leonard was an excellent pickup. They've made some good free agent pickups. They've got a ton of money in cap space. This is the team of the next couple of years. If they make the right moves, you could easily see Indianapolis in the Super Bowl for, you know, as soon as the Patriots decide that they're going to stop going. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, the next pick we have is the Oakland Raiders selecting for the third time in this first round. This is the pick uh, that they got from the Bears, if I'm not mistaken, from that Khalil Mack trade. Correct. So they're going to be selecting here for the Chicago Bears, and also they got a first-rounder from for next year from the – Chicago Bears from the Khalil Mack trade. What do the Oakland Raiders do here at, what is this, 27? Yep. If I'm not mistaken. 27. And so this goes back to what you had said earlier about, oh, was it Odell Beckham or someone, is that you're always going to be, uh, in this pick, you're going to be compared to the guy who was traded. And that's Khalil Mack, a guy who who is looking like a Hall of Famer as a pass rusher. And so I have Mike Mayock actually going super boring on this pick. Not going for a guy who's a pass rusher. Not going for a guy who uh, might be a stud wide receiver to go along with Terrell Williams and Antonio Brown. 
I think when you make the trade for Antonio Brown, you're saying that we're trying to win now. And when you're trying to win now, you have to have Derek Carr stay standing. And that's why I think they draft Chris Lindstrom to replace Kalecki Assembly on the offensive line at left guard. Now, uh, remind me, where did Kalecki Assembly go? Isn't um, he a Jet now? I th- oh, that's that's right. Yeah, he's he's in New York now. Uh, Chris Lindstrom makes a lot of sense. They've they've addressed the offensive line already in free agency in picking up Trent Brown, which looks like they're either going to put him at right tackle or left tackle and move Colton Miller over to right tackle, perhaps. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they've already gotten rid of Donald Penn. Uh, I think he was yeah they, uh, they let him go so. Uh, yeah, that, that offensive line is in a state of flux. However, I I think the Oakland Raiders, at least this is what I got, they select defense with all three picks. Wow. I think they've spent so much money on the offensive line thus far in free agency that they're kind of done. They'll, they'll let the offensive line work itself out, maybe select somebody later in the draft. But that defense still needs a lot of work, and where I'm going is the defensive line. Mm. I have the third defensive lineman selecting, being selected from Clemson going here in Dexter Lawrence. I think he's going to pair with Montez Sweat very well on that defensive line and just try to change that culture. So between Montez Sweat... Dexter Lawrence and Byron Murphy, I think that is the next age in Oakland Raiders defense. So watch out. What do you got? And so next up, we got the Los Angeles Chargers. Not the San Diego Chargers, but the Los Angeles Chargers. They're still the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, it's impossible to to not think of them as the San Diego Chargers. Anyway... I guess they're really the Inglewood Chargers now because, well, uh, anyway. You know, problems, yeah. politics, that's that's all that's going on here. Right. No big deal, folks. So anyway, who do you got the Chargers picking? Well, I got another defensive tackle coming off the board. It's a defensive first round. Uh, Draymond Jones, uh, I think this is where he goes in. The, the, the Chargers uh, going into free agency had three of their – uh, defensive linemen that were heading towards free agency and the last time I checked they hadn't brought any of them back they were kind of strapped uh, against the cap so I think they try to address it here between the three of those guys that if I'm not mistaken that they let go there's about I think it was 15 to 19 sacks that are going to be taken away from this team I think Draymond Jones helps you in the run stopping. I think he helps you in putting pressure up the middle. So that's who I got. I think uh, the Chargers would be smart to address that defensive line that you just let walk right out the door. And I'm going in a similar vein with a guy who you just mentioned, and that's Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson. So Dexter Lawrence is 6'4", 342 pounds. (laughs) We were talking about Ed Oliver being listed as a defensive tackle, but he really played at 270, and that's not really a defensive tackle. This is a defensive tackle. The dude is huge. If you just put one guy on him, he's just going to pancake him and walk over him and then knock Joe Flacco down. 
You've whoa <laughs> now. Broncos don't allow any stat, uh, any sacks ever. <laughs> ever. That's, that's a lie. Yeah, and like you were saying, the Chargers got some uh, work that they have to do in their defensive front seven to replace some of the guys that walked out. And yep. Dexter Lawrence is a guy who probably actually won't have a lot of sacks, but he's a guy who would be able to help in your pass block or in your run stopping and then be able to collapse the pocket to allow your Melvin Ingram and your Joey Bosa to get to the quarterback. Well, there we go. That is uh, almost the last pick from the AFC West with the last pick coming up now, which is the Kansas City Thiefs. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, Chiefs. Sorry, ah, a slip of the tongue there. Yeah, it just yeah, slipped yeah. right out there. My apologies. At number 29, the Kansas City Thiefs. Oh, I said it again. I'm sorry. Are selecting uh, blank. They are selecting Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury. Of NC State to replace their Mitch Morsey, who walked uh, to Buffalo in free agency. And... Well, when you got Patrick Mahomes, your new job as a general manager is to make sure that Patrick Mahomes doesn't get knocked down. And so you bring in another offensive lineman, but also a guy who could grow with Patrick Mahomes, a guy who could be that Jeff Saturday to Peyton Manning, a guy who could be there for the next decade, a guy who can make those calls at the line. And doesn't actually matter because Kansas City is not going to win the division next year. The Denver Broncos are, so. Oh, oh, well, now that I know that, I don't actually have to watch the games next year. So exactly. I can just place my bets and uh, move on with my life. So Kansas City at 29. Um, I've heard a lot of scuttlebutt about this pick being a trade-up opportunity that Kansas City would package because they have two second-round picks. Uh, I've heard a lot of talk that Kansas City is going to take their 29th and one of their second-round picks and move up into the late to mid-teens to select a player. So watch out for that to happen. I think they're a big trade candidate there. Uh, Garrett Bradbury I had on my board as going to Kansas City for a while, but I, I pulled him off right at the last second, and I'm 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 just not comfortable with it. I I like everything that you just said. It makes a lot of sense, and that's why he was on mine. But another name uh, that has slipped down the boards, I think Kansas City just takes this player out of, um, I mean, best player available, or maybe it's just kind of a desperation because it's been a fire sale on that defense, if you want to call it that, because Eric Berry is gone. Derek Johnson left last year. Tomba Holly is gone. D. Ford is gone. Justin Houston is gone. Pretty much the only player that's left is Chris Jones. That's it. They have Chris Jones and change. So I think they go defensive side of the ball and a player that I still have on my board, a very good edge rusher, someone who could get after the quarterback, apply a little bit of pressure. Brian Burns slipped all the way down here to number 29. I think it makes a lot of sense. The Chiefs have changed their defensive scheme from a 3-4 to a 4-3. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you could plug Brian Burns here into that 4-3 outside linebacker, much in the way that Khalil Mack was used in his first couple of years, I think Brian Burns could be a player that really helps you in stuffing the run. 
if you put a pass rusher and just let him kind of play free safety almost of whether you're going to go after the quarterback or hang back and then tackle the running back, that that's a that's the kind of player that you need on that side of the ball. And there's so many holes on defense. I don't see them selecting anybody else besides a defensive player for for that team. So um, I expect them to trade up, but uh, who knows? Who knows? It, it, it could go either way. I got Brian Burns. So coming up now at number 30 is the second pick for Green Bay. This is the pick that they got last year from the New Orleans Saints when the Saints wanted to trade up for – uh, oh, help me out here. Oh, uh, not uh, Marcus Lattimore. It was the defense. Davenport. Marcus Marcus Davenport. Davenport. That's what it was. Defensive uh, end Marcus Davenport, who, I mean, that was a good move. It, it elevated New Orleans into one bad uh, pass interference call away from a Super Bowl. So, um, <laughs> Of course you had to bring that up. Of course I did. I mean, I'm not going to let the refs get away with nothing. I mean – I've gotten way too many technicals in my lifetime <laughs> to not complain about the referees here. So number 30, what do the Green Bay Packers do here, Shem? So I have them taking a guy that is already off your board, and okay. that is Cody Ford. Cody Ford, all right. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Offensive line, protect in, Drew Brees. Yeah, Drew Brees for the Packers is Drew Brees playing for I, the Green Bay I'm Packers sorry. now. We were just talking about how <laughs> the Green Bay Packers just got this pick. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so you had, didn't you have Cody Ford going at twelve? Or I have him going at number eighteen to the Minnesota Vikings. But you had an offensive lineman going to the Packers on their first pick. Yes, I have them right? selecting Jonah Williams, an offensive tackle. Yeah, yes. and so. I am in that very same mentality where one of these first round picks has to be on an offensive lineman. And I have seen Billy Turner play football. You want Cody Ford to be playing your left guard or right guard instead of Billy Turner. Trust me. If you are a Packers fan, this is a much better pick <laughs> and Cody Ford, big guy, six, four, three thirty. He'd be a great guard for, that system would be a great guy to have to keep Aaron Rodgers standing, which is now all that matters. I know a lot of people have a tight end going to Green Bay in a lot of mock drafts. I don't see it because they have Jimmy Graham and, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers never throws at tight ends anyway. Yeah, that doesn't just doesn't even happen. It's not really a position in Green Bay. Um, however, I see them going a little bit differently. I think this is just too too sumptuous of an option here for Green Bay to pass up. Because on my board, there's still three big-name wide receivers on the board, and that's kind of been an issue for Green Bay. Randall Cobb could not stay on the field at all last year. I think he played four or five games. Um, I should know. I had him in my fantasy league, and he... <laughs> was great in week one when he scored me 33 points and then it was just a pile of crap the rest of the way <laughs> and not being able to stay on the field not to mention that but last week we covered how jordy nelson is no longer in the league so no chance of him pairing up with aaron Rodgers again i think you're gonna have to find somebody that can compliment uh Devontae adams and i'm not 
I'm not sure that they have the guy on the roster right now. So between Paris Campbell, between A.J. Brown, uh, between uh, Marquise Brown, I think there's just too many options that they don't go wide receiver here with their second pick. I have it as uh, Paris Campbell. I'm tempted to go Marquise Brown, but I'm going to stick with Paris Campbell. That was my gut choice, and I think that's where they go with uh, pick number 30 here. Certainly a strong option for that team. So, number 31, the penultimate pick, the former St. Louis Rams, now the L.A. Rams, who lost to the Patriots in a terrible, terrible Super Bowl, uh, now actually have a first-round pick. It seems like it's been quite a few years since they've had a first-round pick. Anywho, who do you have them picking? Well, I mean, first-round picks are clearly so overrated when you're playing in Los Angeles because all you need to do is go and pick up LeBron James and you're going to solve all your problems and <laughs> um, go to the NBA Finals. Make the playoffs, keep your coach. Yeah, way. yeah. You, you don't need first-round picks. They're for poor people. Come on. Be able to trade for Anthony Davis, things yes, like that. Yes, yes. That's, that's what you really need. Oh, we're talking about a different sport entirely. Okay, so back to football here. I think the Los Angeles Rams are going to be selecting offensive line because you've already said his name earlier and he's getting a little bit older i think this is his last year in andrew whitworth i don't trust players that are about to go into their swan song year to stay healthy for 16 games and the los angeles rams their entire team runs through todd Gurley. They have to keep him up. They have to keep him healthy. They have to keep him productive because the stats showed time and time again last year and the year before when Todd Gurley is not successful, Jared Goff is not successful. He is the kind of player, Jared Goff I mean, that is successful when players are successful around him. When you put the pressure on him to go out and have to win the game, he's going to come up short. So you have to have the team based around other players. And Todd Gurley is the guy. As long as that knee can stop rubbing bone on bone, he the Rams are going to be successful. So I have the last offensive lineman being taken in this draft going right here with Greg Little as kind of an heir apparent to Andrew Whitworth. What do you got here at pick number 31? And so when thinking about this pick, the Rams are definitely a team that would select best available as well as being mindful about what their strengths are and how to build off those strengths. So you talked about their offense running through Todd Gurley. We know their offense really runs through Sean McVay and it's whatever comes through his creative mind as an offensive coordinator. I mean, I would agree. Yeah. Sometimes it's more Looney Tunes than it is offensive skill and prowess. But uh... Sure. So with that, they're a team where right now they have a running back who, depending on his knees, is one of the top two, three, four running backs. They have uh, certainly a quarterback who has proven to be very good in the McVay system. They've got receivers who are very talented. Uh, Cooper Cup's going to be back from my alma mater of Eastern Washington University. However, 
Tyler Higby is not the guy. Gerald Everett is not the guy at tight end. And so I have them selecting Noah Fant from Iowa, who is still on my board. Now, now, now. I've already said that Noah Fant is going to the Tennessee Titans. You can't just take (laughs) my players. That's ridiculous. Noah Fant is going at number 19 to Tennessee. You got to wake up and smell the coffee here, man. You're you're falling behind. Big guy, 6'4", 250, who competed in triple jump, in high jump, was a basketball player. A guy where if you put him on the Sean McVay mind melt, Sean McVay is going to come up with all sorts of unique plays for Noah Fant to get wide open for Jared Goff to score me a lot of fantasy points in our Dynasty League. Okay, well, as soon as your head is out of the clouds, we're going to move on to pick number 32 (laughs) with the New England Patriots, a pick where they have been at so many times before. Um, If you want to count them out, you can, but I'll just cut to the chase. They've been at this 32nd pick five other times in the past, and here comes number six. The New England Patriots select the replacement to Trey Flowers. Hmm. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that can play defensive end or defensive tackle, is going at number 32 for the New England Patriots. Prove me wrong. What do you have, Shem? So Jeffrey Simmons would be pretty interesting because he probably won't play this year. Uh, However, next year he would look pretty great for the Patriots and be intimidating. However, I'm going the other way in that they are selecting their replacement for Rob Gronkowski and bringing in Irv Smith from Alabama. Another guy, big tight end, smaller than Gronk, 6'2", 240, but a guy who is more of a down-the-field threat, still has the blocking ability, was an Alabama guy, uh, has already dealt with tough love with... uh, Nick Saban as his coach. So that shall be the replacement pick at number 32. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I think you may have thrown down a little too many drinks here, but uh, I'll I'll stick with it. Irv Smith, a replacement pick. That seems to be where New England needs to make their decision. Um, But it sounds as though you just have no faith at all in Austin Safarian Jenkins. Zero I mean, faith. No faith. It's it's like you're saying that this guy who's been projected for several years to be a top five tight end is again not going to be a top five tight end. I mean, there's just, I, I, I don't know what to say to you. I can't even look at you right now. This is just silly. Austin <laughs> Safarian Jenkins is clearly going to be the best tight end, probably the best running back in the league. Uh, he's just going to just blow everybody away. <laughs> I mean, he could also very uh, much go the route of Tim Tebow and just start playing baseball as well. Who knows? Sure. But uh, uh, it's definitely going to be a replacement pick. They they have – I could see them going offensive line as well. I mean, last year they drafted Isaiah Wynn. He got injured, and that's how Trent Brown came to be. So maybe they go offensive line again uh, just as kind of an insurance to protect Brady. They do have a hole there at tight end. They have a hole – um, in the secondary, and they got a hole on the defensive line. They can go really anywhere they want. Um, so 
And they could also draft wide receivers. They could draft oh, Brady's yes, eventual yes. replacement. There's a oh, lot finally. of different ways. When is that... somebody going to draft a, a quarterback behind these aging, uh, uh, th- these aging franchises? The, Tom Brady and Drew Brees are, and even luckily the Steelers grabbed themselves Mason Rudolph uh, last year. But these teams are. They're cutting it really close to the grain here and and not having contingency plans for their aging quarterbacks. Certainly no longer spring chickens. No, no, no. There's there's no eggs under their butts if you lift them up. (laughs) Nothing at all. So there you have it. 32 picks. Uh, One of us is going to be correct. The other one is not. But it doesn't really matter because, well, I'm the person that's going to be right. So... Thank you all for listening out there. We appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your day to go through our picks. Feel free to tweet us about Critique us. how terrible we are <laughs> at this. Uh, certainly, these picks will age very, very well. Well, there's a 50% chance that all of this is going to be for naught, and then there's another 45% chance that we're going to be completely right. And there's a 70% chance that all statistics are made up. So I don't know what to say there, but uh, I think uh, there's a good possibility that both of us are going to pick the, this draft completely correct. So uh, from Third and Manageable, I am Brad Roberts. And I'm Shem Hanks. And thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you again later. See ya. This has been a production of Values First.